God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Almighty God, to all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. reading from the book of Samuel. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At the time of Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim, so now that he could, so now he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had, had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel, 
Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. My son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. The word of the Lord. Trace my journeys and my resting places. Indeed, there is not a word on my lips. You press upon me behind and before. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. yet unfinished in the womb. All of them were written in your book. How deep I find your thoughts, O God. If I were to count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Corinthians. We do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, for it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. For we have the treasures in clay jars, so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God. It does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, 
but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our body. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. The word of the Lord. According to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. 
One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the rain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God. When Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Come forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save the life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Today we have a children's sermon, so I'd like to invite children to come up and sit here on the stairs. Great. And uh, what I want to talk with you today about is rules. Rules. And I'm sure you know rules uh, from home. There probably are rules in your house about time to go to bed. Uh, things like that, doing chores, there are rules at school. What are, what, why do we have rules? What do you think? What's the purpose of a rule? To keep you safe. To keep you safe, yes. To respect others. To respect others. Yes, we have rules to, and what, because we live together, we can get along better if we have rules. Any other ideas? Okay, well, but you know, rules are kind of complicated. They're not as simple as at first we might suppose. For instance, there are some very silly and strange rules that exist. Do you know in West Virginia, you can be arrested for whistling underwater? <laughs> Strictly forbidden in West Virginia. In North Dakota, 
It is illegal to fall asleep with your shoes on. And strangest of all, I think, in Georgia, in the state where I was born, you can be arrested for having an ice cream cone in your back pocket on a Sunday. So there are silly and strange rules. Aren't those silly rules? And then there are also some rules that human beings have made up that just turn out to be wrong. I remember, and I bet there are a lot of people here remember, being told when you were a child that if you ate and you were by a swimming pool or a lake, you had to wait one whole hour before you went into the water. Because, supposedly, if you went into the water, if you waited, didn't wait an hour, you would sink like a stone. I remember lots of waiting to go into a swimming pool or going into a lake. And you know what? It turns out not to be true. You don't sink if you swim less than an hour after you've eaten. But there are some other rules that turn out to be wrong, that people once thought were right, and they're really serious rules. For instance, can you believe this? There was once a time in the United States and in other countries when women were not allowed to vote. Oh, and not so long ago, there certainly couldn't be any women priests like my wife or like our rector Susan Pinkerton. It was against the rules for women to be ordained. It was even against the rules for women to serve on vestries or certainly to be vested and serve Holy Communion or even to read the lessons. Whoa. And we also know there were once rules that people of color had to go to certain schools and they couldn't go to certain other places. We don't have those rules anymore. So rules can sometimes be wrong. Rules can also be thought to be more important than they were meant to be. And that's where this morning's reading from St. Mark's Gospel is really important. Now there was a rule, a very good rule, a rule given by God that was part of the Ten Commandments. Do you remember what the rule is that was talked about in the Gospel this morning? It was about keeping holy the Sabbath day. Now that's a good rule. The Sabbath is there to give people rest and also to have a time to remember who God is and to honor God and praise God. But in Jesus' day, he got himself into trouble for doing some things on the Sabbath day. He was walking through a field with his disciples and he plucked up some grains of wheat because he was hungry and he ate it. And his enemy said, oh, he is eating on the Sabbath day. Must be a bad man. And Jesus said, wait a minute. The Sabbath was made for human beings, not human beings for the Sabbath. And it's okay, it's even other men of God have eaten on the Sabbath day. And then even worse, 
Jesus healed a man who had a withered hand. And his enemy said, oh, bad. This is terrible to heal on the Sabbath day. It is supposed to be a day when you don't do anything. And Jesus said, what do you mean? What's more important, to heal this man or to honor the Sabbath? So you see, rules are something we have to be very careful about. And it's sometimes difficult to know what is a good rule and what is a bad rule. So how are we going to know in this ongoing discovery about what rules are good and what rules are bad? Jesus gave us one great principle. Anybody know what that is? Remember the summary of the law? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and your neighbor as yourself. Those are the most important rules, to love God and to love other people as yourself. And those rules, those great rules of God, put other rules into proper perspective sometimes. And finally, as we celebrated a couple of weeks ago, God has given us the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth. So we need to keep an open and critical mind about rules. We need to weigh rules against whether it's a rule of love of God and love of others. And we need to be open to God's spirit to correct what are often human presuppositions about what is right and what is wrong. Thank you for your attention. You can go back to where you came from. <laughs> there's something new on our altar today. It's a welcome mat from Thistle Farm in Tennessee. Now, Thistle Farm is a place that provides housing and training and jobs for women survivors of sex trafficking, prostitution, and addiction. It's an incredible place. The women came together about 20 years ago in a little house, and they began their work by picking thistles, prickly thistles that nobody wanted out of local fields. And they used the thistle oil to make hand creams, hand creams called Love Heals. Now they've expanded their product line, and they make these mats called love welcomes and the mat is carefully woven from old blankets and the remains of the life vests of refugees the mats are there to say welcome welcome to those who have never felt wanted 
They say that everyone here who is hungry is welcome at our one Lord's table. The map bears the message that love is the most powerful force. Not money, not education, not military power. Love is the most powerful force for change in the world. And that is the same message that Jesus delivers in today's gospel. As you heard, the gospel story centers on the question, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? The Pharisees were strict interpreters of the law, and they said, no, the most important thing is to follow God's rules, God's laws, and refrain from all work on the Sabbath, because that is what God commands us to do. But Jesus said, yes, of course it's lawful to heal because love trumps the law. The law says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And the Pharisees didn't see this as good advice, a nice suggestion, but as a formal command, a matter of life and death. Remember the Sabbath day, just do it. Keep the Sabbath holy, you and your children, your slaves, your beasts of burden, and the guests in your household. For one day a week, just be. Stop trying to control, manipulate, calculate, and remember that you are more than human doers. You are human fears, human beings, created in the image and likeness of God, a God who took the seventh day off after creation to savor its wonders and to enjoy creation's glories. It's interesting that this commandment to keep the Sabbath holy is the only one of the Ten Commandments that deals with a religious practice. And that's because keeping the Sabbath was one of the things that distinguished Israel from the pagan world and preserved Israel's identity as a holy nation. When the Jews were in exile, forcibly removed from their temple, separated from their promised land, without a community, without community customs, they kept the Sabbath. They kept it holy, and they remembered that they were Jews. Stretching from dusk on Friday to sundown on Saturday, the Sabbath was a time for family gathering, for worship, and for a total ban on work. It is the same for us. The Sabbath is a time to be together and give thanks for each other, to enjoy our gifts and thank God for them. It is a day of renewal and recreation and recreation of the sacred of finding God in the spaces of our lives. And because God wants to give us time and opportunity to rest, God's prohibition against work on the Sabbath 
makes sense. But people, being people, always want to know how to keep these commandments. The Israelites wanted to know just what constituted work, and so they asked the rabbis how far they could travel, 2,000 cubits, that's just under half a mile. They asked if they could light a fire. Oh, no way, not on the Sabbath. They asked if they could write. Yes, but only one letter. And over time, the rabbis began to codify the rules, and they named 39 categories of prohibited labor. There were prohibitions against carrying burdens, against collecting wood, and even against untying a knot. The rules became so detailed and specific that the people didn't have to think about them, just obey them. And that specificity made the rules easier to obey, but the people began to forget why they were keeping the rules in the first place. Now Jesus and his disciples knew these laws. They knew that the law commanded generosity to those in need. The corners of a field could not be harvested. They had to be left for the poor and the orphan. Passers-by, people who passed by a cornfield, were allowed to pluck grain, but no more grain that they could carry in one hand, and no plucking on the Sabbath, because that was reaping, and reaping was forbidden. So, we really have to wonder why Jesus and his disciples were out for lunch in somebody's field on the Sabbath. They knew the law. They knew their behavior would really offend the Pharisees. And they certainly would not have starved if they waited until sundown, waited until the Sabbath was over before they plucked the grain. But Jesus wanted to make a point. This was a teaching moment. And so, he started plucking grain, and the disciples joined him, and the Pharisees, true to form, condemned them. So why did Jesus, the one who said that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, why did Jesus justify his behavior by saying, in effect, that the Sabbath was made for us? It's up to us to decide whether to keep that law or not. Well, I think the answer is really simple. I think God gives us the law in its most basic form. Remember the 10, no killing, no stealing, no adultery, and the other seven. I think God gives us those 10 commandments and then asks us to decide what they mean today. Because the commandments, obeying the commandments, changes over time. As an example, consider the commandment, thou shalt not kill. And remember that there was a time when appendectomies were so dangerous 
that they were considered to be murder. Consider the prohibition against driving to worship, an injunction that makes sense when the congregation lives within walking distance of church. But I'll bet you some of you here this morning live a little too far away to walk. God gives us the law not with a specificity that demands that we obey like robots, but with a simplicity that calls us to wrestle with the commandments, to get together, to discuss them, to say our prayers about them, and to consider what they mean. God does it this way, I think, to show us that those laws are not ends in themselves. They are means to an end. Jesus said it this way when he was asked which was the first and greatest commandment and replied, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. God's law is of infinite importance, but it is not infinitely fixed. If people were starving, Jesus said, it was okay to give them the holy bread set aside for the priests. And in later days, when people hid Jews from the Nazis, it was okay to lie to keep those people safe. We are all commanded to honor our mothers and our fathers, but not to obey unrighteous commands. We need to be reflective and serious in deciding how to obey God's law, because if we don't use our common sense, we can get stuck in a foolish legalism. It happens all the time in scrupulously observant religious communities, and I know some. I know religious communities where they call cards the devil's picture books, and playing cards is forbidden because card players put their, put their trust in chance instead of in God. I know a vibrant Christian community that has become a self-righteous, sullen group that won't admit anyone who can't name the hour and the date that they were saved. And sadly, I know of the Westboro Bible Church in Kansas, whose web address is www.godhatesfags.com. God has given us the commandments because we certainly need them. Sometimes we need to be shoved out of bed on a Sunday morning because worship is commanded. But Jesus warns us not to let our religious practices get in the way of being Christian. Jesus warns us to look very carefully at what we do because sometimes we can be unmindful of the way our behaviors can be barriers to those who would follow Jesus. I think of a small church in Cincinnati near the apartment that a young man rented when he was recovering 
from his addiction. He wanted to go to church, he said, but he couldn't see inside and he couldn't figure out what people were wearing. He watched them go in and he didn't see any sneakers. And he tried to look through the windows, but they were high up and they were stained glass and he couldn't see. So he never went to that church because he feared that he wasn't, couldn't be properly dressed. But then he moved to Providence and found a new church, St. Pandas. St. Pandas, I said? Yeah, he said, St. Peter's and St. Andrew's merged, you know, St. P and A, St. Panda, you get it? And at St. Panda's, the chalicist wore sneakers and had a tattoo on his neck. And the young man felt very comfortable there. Now, I'm not recommending old shoes and tats for St. John's, but I am sure that God calls us to be absolutely meticulous in making sure that our hearts and our minds and our pews are open to all who would come here because love welcomes. Whenever rules, even God's rules, fail to take human need into account, fail to be grounded in love, Jesus gives us a clear model for reform. He didn't tell that man with the withered hand to wait and come back tomorrow. He broke the law. He reached out and he took the man's hand and he healed him. Being a Christian isn't easy. It has never been easy. We need God and we need each other. We need the courage to obey the commandments. We need to say, look, I'm sorry, I can't go to that meeting. I can't play in that match because I go to church on Sunday morning. But we also need to be able to say, I'm sorry, I won't be in church because I'm caring for my sick child. I'm sitting with a troubled parent because the Sabbath is made for us and not us for the Sabbath. In that epistle that we just heard, St. Paul gives us a beautiful image of humanity when he says that we have the treasure of God in clay jars, in earthen vessels. And when we look around us, today's world seems very flawed. And when we look within us, we seem very cracked. And sometimes in all the frantic activity of the world, all we see is the cracked bowl. And we miss the light that shines through it. And that is indeed why God commands the Sabbath rest, so that we might have time and place to see God's light and God's love in all things, to give thanks, to find hope, so that we might go out from this place into the world and love with all our hearts, remembering what is sown into the very fibers 
of our new altar mat, that love is the most powerful force for change in the whole world, and love always welcomes. stand as we affirm our faith by reciting the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again before he starts to the death, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism Let us pray to God, giving thanks for God's wonderful works and saying, Speak, Lord, for your God of love, we thank you that we are marvelously made. May your love for us make us whole and inspire us to share that love with others. How deep are your thoughts, O God, and how great is the sum of them. Open the hearts and minds of our leaders to your wisdom, that they may govern with justice, compassion, and mercy. O oh God, we press upon us behind and before, and lay your hands upon us. Comfort and heal those who are coping with illness, injury, addiction, loneliness, grief, violence, and danger. We pray especially for those on our parish prayer list and those we name now. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Your trace, you trace our journeys and our resting places, O oh God, and are acquainted with all our ways. Guide those who are exhausted or anxious toward rest and contentment, and inspire those who are complacent or cynical with fresh hope and energy. 
give thanks for those whose earthly journey has ended. And whose final resting place is in you. <clears throat> oh God. We remember especially Ida McKenney and those whose memory of all the flowers are given. May their witness lead us toward greater wisdom and love. Lord, you have searched us and known us. You know our sitting down and our rising up. You discern our thoughts from afar. Transform our mind, energize our bodies, and refresh our spirits that we may serve you and others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you, all word and deed, by what we have done, by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and do not want to repent. Save yourself, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us and forgive us. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of the Lord be always with you. St. John's on this beautiful, beautiful spring morning. Nice relief than yesterday's humidity. If you're new or if you haven't been here before or a while, please uh, take that little piece of paper hanging in the pew in front of you and fill it out and put it in the offering plate. And I'd be more than happy to get in touch with you. We are having coffee hour here in the parish hall. So if you see someone you don't know, invite them to come and share a cup of coffee with you. In a couple weeks, we're going to be starting our spring schedule. That's June 17th. That means our service is at 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. in the Cloister Garden. Today, immediately after church, we have volunteers at our community garden. We're going to be putting up a permanent fence and also some weeding and restoring some beds uh, that we put in. We've had wonderful, wonderful volunteers show up for the good, hard work. Uh, to allow us to grow wonderful produce that we're hoping to feed those who are hungry in our neighborhood. Right now, I would like to call Krista forward. Krista is our new organ artist in residence here at St. John's. She is an accomplished organist. She has played on the world stage, and she has recently retired from St. Mark's 
Evangelist Church in West Hartford. And so I want you to please give her a welcome. She has a, a little bio in the program. And so we are delighted to welcome you and your wife here to the And hopefully you'll be a permanent fixture here for a while. She's going to be helping uh, out Scott. And again, how blessed we are to have you. So thank you so much. Next Saturday, we're going to have a work day in the Cloister Garden. If you are interested in gardening or would like to learn a little bit about it, we're going to just pull some weeds and plant some new plants, get it spruced up for our evening 5 p.m. service. So please, next Saturday, 9 o'clock, it should only take a couple of hours to do that. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, know that you have support and love here in this community. As Hope talked about, that power of love to transform and change lives. Part of that is our healing ministry. We do have a healing minister at the font during communion, and you're most welcome to come forward and receive our prayer or blessing for yourself or for someone else. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever blessings that maybe you feel especially thankful for today, whatever, whatever that is, know that you're welcome to come forward at this table to receive the body and blood of Christ. And especially with this altar hanging, it is a tangible symbol of love and hope that Christ Jesus offers all of us, that we are all hungry for in our lives. So know that you're welcome to come forward and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and a joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. For you are the source of light and life. You made us in your image and called us to new life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, 
gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. You have bred us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now in the world of peace. Grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Christ our Lord. The peace of God surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds and knowledge in the love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always.